1: Sweet 16 action from a place that knows all about March Madness-style events. We're at the Metrodome in Minneapolis as a 9-seed 06 St. Louis Cardinals take on a 4-seed, the 1991 Twins. Josh Lewin with you, and if you don't already know, the Throwback League exists with 48 teams who were World Series participants between 1974 and 06. The Cardinals right at the cutoff point, but they're in it. One of 48 teams with a shot of being crowned best of the best. The bracket and the box scores available for your perusal at thethrowbackleague.com. I mentioned the Metrodome is a great setting for a March Madness-style bracket conversation, especially if you're a Duke fan. Duke beat Michigan here in 92, became the first back-to-back champion since the 70s. Nine years after that... Duke beat Arizona here, 82-72 behind Shane Battier. But in terms of baseball, the AstroTurf is down now. The hefty bag over the right field wall is up. And a reminder that these teams, Minnesota and St. Louis, met in the 87 World Series for real. A classic seven-gamer pulled out by the Twins, but the 91 Twins... They won a World Series by beating the Braves in 7, another true fall classic. 06 Cardinals, on the other hand, they were not in a classic by any means. An ugly World Series win in 5 over the Tigers, but hey, a win is a win is a win. Two teams whose names appear on the Commissioner's Trophy, to really good Midwestern baseball towns. Tough to pick against the city of St. Louis when discussing, discussing a love of baseball by its general populace. And who else could we possibly get to comment on that? would be better than a Hall of Famer and St. Louis native Bob Costas?
0: There are some people outside St. Louis who resent the notion that St. Louis is the best baseball town but I really think you can't rank any city above it and you can make a very good case for St. Louis being at the top. The combination of passion and relative civility in a coarse atmosphere elsewhere in the culture overall, not just baseball, the history of baseball in St. Louis, the general excellence year in and year out of the team, its relationship with the community, the texture of it, and the fact that at a time when football reigned supreme, even when the Rams were in town, and even before that when the now Arizona Cardinals were in town the baseball cardinals will always be number one. St. Louis is one of the few places left in America where you can flatly say that baseball is by far the most popular sport.
1: Thank you, Bob, and these Cardinals of 06 are on the road here tonight at the Metrodome, the cards managed by Tony La Russa. And an 83 wins for the regular season, thought to be one of the worst World Series winning teams ever. They barely made it into the postseason at all, came down to the final weekend. They essentially got in when John Smoltz won a game for Atlanta to help him out from a 1,000 miles away. But they made very few mistakes along the way. And it reminded you of what former Pittsburgh Steelers coach Chuck Knoll used to talk about. Our champions are champions not because they do anything extraordinary, but because they do extraordinary things better than anyone else. And, and that's usually the case with teams out of St. Louis, right? Fundamentally sound. They certainly outperformed their forecast, if you will. Nobody saw a World Series coming for them, but their fundamentals in crunch time better than those of the error-prone Tigers in that World Series. We'll hear from Tony La Russa about that later in the broadcast. The Cardinals in the postseason of 06, well, the three games to one win in the best of five NLDS against the Padres, the exciting four games to three win in the best of seven NLCS, and the almost anticlimactic four games to one win against Detroit. Lots of meat on the bone from that NLCS, if you'll indulge. Game one, a game pushed back a day by rain. Both pitchers were magnificent. Tom Glavin got the win, seven shutout innings. The only runs of the game coming on a two-run homer by, of all people, Carlos Beltran off Jeff Weaver in the sixth. Game two, the Cardinals erased three deficits. They won it 9-6, to so Taguchi the go-ahead homer in the ninth. Game three, Jeff Supon. We're gonna hear from him later on. He pitched eight innings. Cardinals beat the Mets five-nothing. Scott Spezio, a two-run triple for the second time in as many games. Game four, Mets to tie the series two games apiece. They broke things open with a six-run sixth. Game five, Weaver over Glavin this time after another rainout. couple big hits for Ronnie Belliard. Three games to two, St. Louis. Then game six, back in New York, Mets need to win, and they do. Behind six innings, a shutout ball from John Maine, which set up the winner-take-all game seven. Mets get a run in the bottom of the first, give it right back in the top of the second. It stays one-to-one. Thanks to an amazing catch by the left fielder, Andy Chavez, to take away a home run in the seventh, but in the ninth. Yadier Molina, two-run shot off Aaron Heilman, almost to that same spot where Chavez was able to make the catch. Met still woulda, shoulda, coulda won it in the bottom of the ninth. Bases loaded, nobody out. But the great escape from Adam Wainwright, he froze Beltron with the 0-2 curve. Cardinals won that series because they outscored the Mets in ninth innings, 7-0. The Mets, in fact, never scored in the eighth or ninth in any of those seven games. Elsewhere around baseball in 06, well, these twins had their new ballpark initiative approved. Target Field will open up in 2010. Alfonso Soriano in 06 had a 40-40 season for the Nationals at RFK Stadium in D.C. Former home of the Twins back in the day. Current twin, Joe Maurer. First ever catcher to win an AL batting title. And after the season, the Red Sox and Daisuke Matsuzaka agreed to the six-year contract. And the Red Sox probably overpaid quite a bit for that. Let's check out the lineup for the 06 Cardinals here. Eckstein leads it off in short. Preston Wilson in left. Albert holds at first. What a year he just had. Scott Spezio, DHS, Jim Edmonds in center. Scott Rollins at third, Juan Encarnacion in right. Ronnie Belliard instead of Aaron Miles at second. Yadier Molina, the catcher, batting number nine. It will be Jeff supon on the mound. All right, so let's tackle those 91 Twins now. Flip you to the home team. A division title one with a very frugal owner in Carl Polad, but at least they had a whip-smart GM in Andy McPhail. They're a disciplinarian manager known as TK, Tom Kelly. The Twins, of course, had won a World Series just four years prior. But this year's team may be even stronger than that one. They had a 15-game win streak at one point. Twins finished up the regular season 95-67, and 67, so a worst-to-first turnaround from 1990. That team had won only 74 games. And they would have been the first team to go from last to a World Series if their World Series opponent hadn't joined them. That exact same adventure was the story of the 91 Braves as well. And what a great World Series that was. The ALCS before that found the Twins matched up against the Blue Jays, an all-indoors ALCS since the Jays kept the Sky Dome roof closed. Twins won it fairly easily, four games to one. Kirby Puckett, the MVP of the series. Then, that seven-game nail-biting World Series, the 95-win Twins against the 94-win Braves, Tom Kelly against Bobby Cox. And they had a classic Game 6 in this one. The game was tied... At 3 until the 11th inning, Bobby Cox sent Charlie Liebrandt to the mound to face Puckett, who recalled telling Chili Davis that he planned to actually try and bunt his way on. And Chili Davis supposedly said, Bunt my ass, hit it out, and let's go home. And Puckett said, well, I'm going to take a few pitches first. He did that. And on 2-1, and one, into the left field seats that went for the dramatic game-winning home run. We'll see you tomorrow night. Uh, that moment captured in a statue of Kirby Puckett just outside appropriately gate 34. At the Twins' new home of Target Field. So, the Game 7, scoreless all the way through. The Twins with a chance to win it in their last at-bat. He had a Chili Davis single. Jarvis Brown pinch running. Brian Harper tried to move him over with a bunt, but uh, there was a, a Mike Stanton misstep there. The pitcher allowed Harper to reach base without making a play, and Stanton pulled a muscle. Had to be removed from the game. Alejandro Pena coming on, faced Shane Mack, got a ground ball double play. The intentional walk to Mike Pagliarulo. He struck out Paul Sorrento. On we went to extra innings. And Jack Morris took the hill for the top of the 10th. He refused to come out. And Morris was very effective. He got Blauser, Smith, and Pendleton in order. Terry Pendleton with the the double-flap batting helmet. That poor guy. Five World Series appearances. His team lost every single one of them. So up came the Twins in the last of the 10th. Dan Gladden, the bloop, high-bounce double to lead things off in the bottom of the 10th. He'd eventually make it to third, where he trod home on that fly ball from Gene Larkin. And for the first time since 1962, a Game Seven had ended one to nothing, and for the second time in just four years, the Twins had won a World Series. And just like the one in '87, the home team winning all seven games. So here's one for you: Is Jack Morris's one nothing win in that Game Seven the ultimate pitching performance of all time? And note the wording here. We didn't say the most dominant. I mean, if you want the most dominant, we've got a Max Scherzer game for you somewhere, a Sandy Koufax game, Kerry Wood had a 20-strikeout game, Randy Johnson, Nolan Ryan, whatever. But Morris's 10-inning shutout That rate's tied for 40th on the list of highest game score, if you ever check out game scores. And uh, certainly you could argue for Don Larson's perfect game, that was a 94 score, tied for second highest in World Series history behind Babe Ruth's 14-inning start uh, back in 1916. But here's what I'm thinking. Larson's game, that was game five. Obviously game seven is a little bit more important than game five. So I know this wasn't a perfect game from Jack Morris, but if you're looking at only game seven, got to win it. Kind of outings in a World Series. There have been 10 complete game shutouts in a Game 7. And there are some good ones. I mean, some great ones. Johnny Padres in 1955 finally got Brooklyn to a title. Ralph Terry of the Yankees in 62. The game ending on Willie McCovey's line drive with runners at second and third. Sandy Koufax with a 2 nothing win over these twins in 65, doing that on two days rest. But... You look at all of those, Sandy Koufax, the game score was highest of, of those at 88. Morris, again, at 84. So if you want to make those your top two, I don't know. Matched up against John Smoltz, no margin for error, and he had to get a 3 2 3 double play at one point from Sid Bream in the eighth. Uh, 118 pitchers through nine innings. He wants to go out there for the 10th. I might vote for Jack Morris in that one. Anyway, let's bring all this home with some 1991 pop culture. Get the right framework for you as we get set to play ball. The twins rocking that Metrodome. At the movies, though, uh, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, Sleeping with the Enemy, Father of the Bride, on TV at Fresh Prince and Full House, in the news, Operation Desert Storm is always we seem to talk about. Popular musicians, oh, so many. Pearl Jam, Whitney Houston, and Queen, even though this was the year Freddie Mercury sadly passed away. Guns N' Roses, Michael Jackson, Boys to Men, Nirvana, Garth Brooks, and U2. Very eclectic musical year, you'd have to agree. And it also included Minneapolis's very own Prince and the Revolution, who actually spent most of that year touring overseas. All right, as Prince himself would say... Let's go crazy. Let's get nuts. Here's the twins batting order for manager Tom Kelly. Chuck knoblock leads it off. He's at second. Kirby Puckett in center. Shane Mack in right. Chili Davis is your DH. Native son Kent Herbeck at first. Brian Harper's the catcher. Greg Gagne at short. Dan Gladden at left. And Mike Pagliarulo, the third baseman. Kevin Tappany on the mound here inside the Metrodome, wearing number 36 and warming up currently. Maybe the stealth ace on this team. Most famous, Jack Morris, who's also 36 years old, by the way. Most wins this year for the Twins, that was Scott Erickson with 20. But the best ERA of the group, that was Tappany. 2.99, four complete games, he had 16 wins. Allen Anderson, the number four starter, nothing special at 5-11 and 11 this year. David West took a turn at the number five, and occasionally Mark Guthrie. But if you're looking for a solid 27-year-old righty who knows what he's doing out there and turns in, in that sub-three ERA, here's Tappany. Born in Iowa, raised in Michigan's Upper Peninsula, on to Central Michigan University for college, then began his pro career in the Oakland organization, part of a three-team deal with the A's, the Dodgers, and Mets, with Jay Howell, Jesse Orozco, Matt Young, a bunch of others. Tappany ending up in New York and at the trade deadline of 89, just as he was getting going as a Met. Up from AAA Tidewater, right in the middle of his rookie season, Tappany, Rick Aguilera, a handful of others, to Minnesota for Frank Viola. Later on, Tappany will be a Dodger, a White Sox, and a Cub for a while. He'll end up with 13 big league seasons, 143 wins. His mound opponent tonight, Jeff Supon, 140 major league wins. ERA of right around four. Very similar guys here. Tappany's last couple starts, his final season with the Cubs. That's what pushed him from 3.98 to 4.01 for a lifetime ERA. Actually went 23-39 and 39 his last three years in Chicago. but. Here in 91, 16 wins, second most to ever have. And in the postseason, kind of a mixed bag. Brilliant in World Series Game 2, going eight innings, no walks, scattering, seven singles. Game 5 was tougher. That was in Atlanta, gave up a four-run fourth inning, capped by a monster homer to left by Dave Justice. But uh, for now, a fresh sheet of ice, as they say up here in Minnesota. The Zamboni has gone through, and here we go. An off-season ice fisherman... In Tappany against a guy who you'd probably throw back in the lake if you reeled him in, the 5'6", David Eckstein. Eckstein, a 292 hitter, a couple of home runs. Blonde-haired, pint-sized Tornado has gone through his crazy whirlybird warm-up routine in the on-deck circle. In and ready, and he takes high from Tappany. We are underway. Cardinals in those gray uniforms with the red and black trim, the red caps. Minnesota in the home white, pinstriped uniforms with the big word twins in red across the front. Navy trim, Navy belts, Navy socks, and a Navy cap with the red letter M in the middle. Pitch from Tappany low this time. It is ball two. Defensively, Puckett in center, Mack in right, Gladden in left. Round the horn, third to first, Pagliarulo, Gagney, Knoblock, and Herbeck. Brian Harper is the catcher. As the pitch is cut on and hit on the ground towards short, friendly Astro turf hop, Gagney loads and fires one away to get the hard charging Eckstein down the line. Here's Preston Wilson now, 243 batter, eight home runs over here. Wilson brought in from the Astros, has done a really nice job in a limited role, and taking here strike one called. Big crowd here at the Metrodome. This town does love their Twins when they're a winner. Homer, Hankies and all. The Twins outdrew the Yankees from 1986 right up through the strike of 94. As the pitch is ladled on the inside corner, it's nothing in two. Third base coach is Jose Aquendo, Dave McKay in the coaching box at first, standing right in front of that visiting Cardinals dugout. Minneapolis-St. Paul with such a long history of great baseball, even in their minor league days. Ted Williams played minor league ball here at age 19. Willie Mays did so at age 20. Here's the pitch. Change-up, swing and a miss, strike three. Preston Wilson is out of there. Tappany working quickly, throwing strikes. But now he's got to face Albert Pujols. 331 batter, 49 home runs, 137 batted in. And not just those terrifying power numbers, but 92 walks against 50 strikeouts. Almost as many homers as strikeouts this year at the age of 26, 50 to 49. As the pitch curls outside, it's one and out. Tony La Russa, on record, is calling Pujols the best player he's ever managed. He's had Ricky Henderson, he's had McGuire, Canseco, Carlton Fisk. He says he'll give head of the class to Pujols, who swings and fouls it into the crowd left side. It's one and one. Pujols has never been hurting for confidence. You know, when the Cardinals drafted him in the 13th round. He told them he was worth a lot more of a signing bonus than they offered him, so he went to play summer league ball in Kansas, dominated, and sure enough the Cardinals upped the ante. Pitcher swung on and fouled back to the screen, one and two. And Pujols made the jump from single A to the big league, something that surprised but certainly pleased Tony La Russa. La Russa reminds us no one expected Mark McGuire to make the A's in 87. If you check the 87 Major League All-Star ballot if you can find one on ebay. The first baseman representing Oakland on that ballot was Rob Nelson. Not a lot of car keys or big pens punching that hole out of the card. Pitch is in the dirt two and two. Pooh with that desire to just keep on getting better even though he's already maybe the best all-around player in the game. He was told he'd be the everyday first baseman. He's worked diligently with infield coach Jose Oquendo so he can be a gold glover. And as Okendo told him, if you're a gold glove first baseman, you can help the other guys in the infield win gold gloves, too. Here's a pitch. It's lined toward short. It's caught. Greg Gagney positioned perfectly, plucked it out of the air, and the top of the first is over. Cardinals fail to score. Let's keep it here in 06 and pause for this. Hey, what's good here? well our mashed potatoes sweet corn our crispy chicken
0: yes i want all of that in layers in that order should
1: i top it off with gravy and a three cheese blend it's
0: like you've known me forever try the cheesy chicken mashed potato bowls from kfc freshly prepared with our famous mashed potatoes layered with sweet corn all white meat crispy chicken and topped with our signature gravy and three cheese blend great flavors come together at kfc
1: Back here at the Metrodome, and as for something you can get into right now, not that we're anti-KFC or anything, but uh, here in 2020, may we suggest you try out our good friends of Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf, most perfectly blended coffee on either coast of the great USA. Might not find them here in Minneapolis quite yet, but look around when you're at airports. You will find Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf, and certainly when you're in California. You're going to love this stuff. The finest coffees and teas from around the world with responsibly sourced ingredients and handcrafted coffees and teas. The coffee bean and tea leaf, an experience like no other. Well, on the mound for the Cardinals, the right-hander Jeff Supon, 12-7, and 7, 4.12. Second best ERA in their rotation, second best guy in their rotation behind Chris Carpenter. His ERA was about to run lower, but other than that, this is not what you'd call a marquee rotation, even with Jason Marquee a part of it. Jason Marquee's ERA was 6.02. Mark Mulder 7.14. You had Anthony Reyes at 5.06. Jeff Weaver 5.18. This team won a World Series. Jason Isringhausen in the bullpen, 33 saves with a 3.6 ERA and eight losses, ninth overall ERA in the National League for St. Louis, but. With Supan, you had a guy who in 4 who beat Roger Clemens in Game 7 of the NLCS to put the Cardinals in the World Series. This year, the L.A. native, incredible in the NLCS. In fact, he was the MVP. Not only terrific in Game 7, but he had an earlier start that uh, made it combined 15 innings of one-run ball against the Mets. Right now, he's facing Chuck Knobloch, or Chuck Knobloch, as Bob Casey will introduce him here on the PA. Young right-hander, 281 hitter, just one home run playing a full season. No one's uh, Bobby Bonds or Brady Anderson here. The two leadoff hitters in this game combined for three homers all year in their respective seasons and around 1,000 at bats. Eckstein and Knobloch. Pitch is taken, it's high, ball one. Now back to Supon, what a journeyman kind of career he'll end up having. Four different teams for four years apiece. Kansas City, Boston, Milwaukee and these Cardinals, but also a year with Arizona, Pittsburgh and at the very end the San Diego Padres. Pitch coming and it's rolled on the ground to short. There's Eckstein and I'll short arm that throw across the diamond to get him one away. That brings up the great Kirby Puckett, 319 batter this year. We were just talking about Supon bouncing around from team to team, not this guy. Not this fan favorite who debuted in 1984, played every day, and he hit zero home runs. Then he hit four in 85, 31 in 86. He's never looked back from there. Batting average has been as high as 339 when he led the league a couple years back. He'll end up with 12 big league seasons in all, all of them in Minneapolis for this future Hall of Famer. And the native Chicagoan taking its high for ball one. Future very popular Twins outfielder Tory Hunter will say, Kirby Puckett taught me, keep your youth. Every spring training, find a big, strong, fast 19-year-old and hit a ball farther than he can and beat him in a foot race. Pitch is outside here. It's 2-0. Oh. Tory Hunter, to this day, signs every autograph. He learned that from the late Kirby Puckett, who also taught him to sign legibly. Said 100 years from now, you'll be dead and gone. They'll see a ball and it's just scribble, scrabble. They'll throw it around or whatever because they're not going to know who signed it. Torrey Hunter watched Harmon Killebrew painstakingly hit every letter when he signed, too. Pitches in for a strike this time, two and one. You know, you can actually make a comparison between Puckett in Minneapolis and Stan Musial back in St. Louis. Consistently fantastic every year, every big league season in one place, not a shred of controversy. Loyal to the Cardinals organization until the day he died with Stan Musial and loyal to his wife having been married 72 years before she passed away. Next delivery coming. Swung on, hit on the ground towards third near the line. That'll be played across the diamond by Scott Rowland in time. Rowland very good defensively. He's big, 6'4", about 240, but boy, he'll go get it. Still no score, here is Shane Mack now with two away. Mack originally a first-round pick of the Padres in 84. Played his college ball at UCLA. Was on the first U.S. Olympic baseball team in 84. 3-10 hitter this year, 18 home runs. And 74 batted in. Pitch from Supan is in the dirt ball one. Boy, they've always got great outfielders here in Minnesota, whether it's Killebrew, Puckett, Oliva. I know Rod Carew is an infielder, played a couple games in the outfield, but I want to talk about him anyway. Rod Carew actually finished his Hall of Fame playing career in Anaheim in 85, and he left the game with seven American League batting titles. One of them in a year when he didn't hit a single home run. Puckett, we talked about, had a zero home run year, so did Carew. Pitch is outside 2-0. Rod Crew, the only player this century to hit 50 points higher than anyone else in the majors. Did that in 70-70. He 388. Next was Dave Parker of the Pirates at 338. Rod crew has got an interesting angle on how to break a slump, by the way. Not that Mack is in one now. He swings, he fouls it. It's 2-1. and one. Rod Carew says when he was playing, he'd always look for a walk and a knock every game. One base on balls, one hit. And if the hits don't come, take a few more pitches next time up, maybe you will go 0-3 instead of 0-4. It's a small thing, but it's progress. Next pitch high, 3-1. Chili Davis on deck, no score, bottom of the first, and Supon has been in and out with his control here early. This past season, 69 walks, 104 strikeouts. He's been known to give up the long ball too. A couple years ago allowed a league high 36 home runs. Pitch coming, it is called outside, ball four. So you've got Mac on, Davis up. The switch hitting Chili Davis, 277 batter, 29 homers, 93 runs batted in. Those were team leading power totals. He's wearing a power hitter's number 44. I think a, a veteran presence like Chili Davis or Dave Winfield usually elevates this Minnesota ball club. Pitch from Supon blazing in for a strike, nothing and one. Talked a little bit about the, the history of baseball here in Minneapolis-St. Paul. Minneapolis was supposed to be part of William Shea's proposed Continental League back in the late 50s was supposed to be Minnesota, Toronto, Denver, Houston, Atlanta, Dallas, and Buffalo, and New York City. Branch Rickey was to be league president, and the Continental League was going to take on the big leagues until big league owners said to William Shea, if you call off the dogs, we'll give you an expansion team for Queens there in New York. Pitchers outside, it's one and one. So eventually this region landed the original Washington Senators. They moved here in 1961, went to a World Series in 65, getting shut out by Sandy Koufax. Of course, those games at the outdoor facility in Bloomington, where the Mall of America now stands. Pitch to Davis is bounced into right field. That's a base hit. Taking the turn of Shane Mack. He'll go to third. Runners at the corners now, two out. Nice job by Chili Davis to steer one into right just kind of skimming along the AstroTurf here. Here comes Kent Herbeck, the power hitting lefty, had 20 homers this year, 89 batted in. Herbeck actually hit the very first home run in this Hubert H. Humphrey Metrodome exhibition game against the Phillies. That was in 1982. Twins fans know Herbeck is a great defensive player, a slugger, charismatic hometown favorite. Pitch from Soupon, fastball strike on the inside, nothing in one. Herbeck out of Kennedy High School in Bloomington. And here in 91 involved in a very controversial World Series play with Ron Gantt, game two. Gantt was coming back to first after widely rounding the base on a single, and Herbeck applied a tag to Gantt's leg. Gantt running into Herbeck, as the pitch is low, it's one and one. Well, the umpire Drew Koble called Gantt out, ruling that forward progress would have caused Gantt to step off the bag, and Gantt angrily disputed that, it had to be restrained. That move later nicknamed the T-Rex tag. They did not love Kent Herbeck in Atlanta for that. Runners away from first and third, and now the pitch, that is hit in the air towards center but not too deep. Jim Edmonds, if he can find it up against that tapioca sky, yes, he can. He's got it. And the inning is over. Mild thread here. The Twins leave two. The 1991 Twins still scoreless with the Cardinals here. Let's go to break here in 1991.
2: You know when it's right. You know when you feel it, baby. You hold it. You hear it. You taste it. It's right. You got it Right one,
0: baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> lovable, curable, and
2: You got the right one, baby. Yeah.
0: Back
1: at the Metrodome, Josh Lewin with you, the Tony russa led 6 Cardinals are here taking on the 1991 twins. Of course, the 6 Cardinals got it done in the World Series. They had a long time or their opponent, I should say, had a long time to prepare and really get rusty, as it turned out. The Tigers had to wait around. Not only was it a seven-game NLCS that the Cardinals had to get through, there were two rainouts in there as well. The Tigers had moved on so quickly. But Tony La Russa's team, they were ready, and they got it done. And I asked Tony La Russa, what gave you guys confidence heading into that
2: World Series as underdogs? Well, you know, one of the things that's misleading is that our, our long lost regular, you know, with three wins or something. That we were we were in really good shape towards the end of July, first of August, and then we just got hurt. We lost about four or five regulars, and it really stunted, you know, the way we would finish. But by the time we got into the playoffs, we had the whole team was intact. You know, Roland was back out there, and so was Edmund, so was Albert. So we were a, we were a good team, and win, you know, winning that first series was important, but. I think more than anything else, we knew we were going to have a, a, a real contest with the Mets and we lost to me. The, the, one of the best uh, feelings I had about the toughness on a club was we were up 3-2 and we had Carpenter pitching on uh, game six and we lost that game. And we were really wanting to win that game so we could save soup on for game one in the World Series if we got in, right? And we lost game six, and we were really down, and our club did a terrific job when that game was over. We regrouped in that locker room before we left the ballpark after game six. We had regrouped mentally to, to, to know that, look, that game is behind us, and we're going to come out tomorrow, and we, you know, we'll pitch soup on. Let's worry about the World Series. When we get there, sure enough, soup pitches a great game. We get in, and that means that since we don't have soup on, we pitch the rookie, Anthony Reyes. And I think the the story there was that Jim's team, you know, just like ours in '88, you know, when you when you when you sit around, you lose some timing, and your hitters foul balls off that are down the middle, and you just are not as competitive. You just lose some some, some sharpness, and it, and it hurt us in '88, and it hurt it hurt the Tigers in the first couple of games.
1: All right, thanks so much to Tony LaRusso. We're going to move ahead to further action here in a scoreless game. Get you cranked up in the top of the third, David Eckstein, with a ground ball out to short, and then Preston Wilson, a line out to first. However, next batter, Albert Pujols, any guesses? You bet. Deep drive left field. Ten rows out of here. Home run to make it one-nothing for the 06 Cardinals. Scott Spezio then called out on strikes. It stayed 1-0 till the bottom of the fourth when Shane Mack was able to bleed one in the left, going as a single. Chili Davis next up. He jumps on a first pitch, attacks it. Two-run a home run to left center. Minnesota gets on top at that point by the tally of two to one. Back come the Cardinals in the top of the fifth. Not a Pujols home run this time. Ronnie Belliard, not a guy who hit a lot of them during the regular season. In fact, only five, but he takes one out just over that uh, very jumpable wall out there and left. You see a lot of home runs brought back, but this one landing in the second row to tie the game 2-2. Two to two. So, we go here to further action with Supon still on the mound. Everything knotted up and nudging towards 100 pitches into the bottom of the eighth. Josh Hancock warming up just in case. It'll be Shane Mack, then Chili Davis, and then Kent Herbeck here. And Mack fouling one down by third base. 0-1. That ball scooped up. And Mack will step out. And is still trying to power his way through it here. Even though we're indoors, a little bit of sweat right near the Bird on Bat logo on his chest there. Such a great logo as the pitch is inside. It's one and one. Got to go back to 1921 for that story and more Branch Rickey. The St. Louis manager scheduled to speak at the First Presbyterian Church in Ferguson, Missouri. And the lady in charge of table decorations for the event saw two birds sitting on a sprig outside her window, as the story goes. And inspired by that, she cut out a series of paper red birds and strung them together with yarn. Branch Rickey saw that, co opted it, and there you have it. Pitch is low, two and one now. Now, that iconic logo that's become as St. Louis's pork steak and toasted ravioli, ice cream from Ted Drew's, Emo's pizza. Pitch moving outside 3-1. That was that big 12-6 curve from Supan. He's got a fosh ball, too, that changeup that he learned from Al Nipper back in 1995. Finesse guy, very much like his opponent here tonight, Kevin Tappany, and he's still on the mound the other way. Not exactly Jack Morris up against the Braves here in the uh, the duel of Game 7 of the World Series, but... Now well, you got Soupon still cooking here, although here he is low with it, it's ball four. Not just soup's on, you're talking about Mac being on here too. And now Chili Davis, stir that up in your chili pot. And we're making all these food references because Jeff soupon does own his own restaurant, Soup Grill back in California, but... He's got to work on Chili Davis here before he's going to work on any kind of specialties on the menu. Chili Davis already with the first pitch home run tonight. And wisely, this first one is outside to him 1-0. Overall tonight, 2-3 for three is Davis. The home run we mentioned, also a single back in the first. Shane Mack, the runner, in a 2-2 game. We're in the last of the 8th inning here at the Metrodome. Supan has a sign from Molina. Now the pitch. Swung on. Deep drive. This ball back and the left. Still back. Still back. This ball. Gone. Over a leaping Preston Wilson. The second two-run homer of the game for Chili Davis. Uh, this crowd going bananas. It is tough to hear yourself in here when it gets loud. And Chili Davis. Not Puckett. Not Herbeck. Chili Davis. The two-home run game. That's going to do it. Josh Hancock will be coming on now. Supon could not get out of trouble here in the bottom of the eighth. He'll end up going seven plus, six hits, four runs all earned, four walks, two strikeouts, but the two home runs hit by Chili Davis. That is undoing, no question about it. Now. We'll tell you, Josh Hancock will get out of the inning, gets Herbeck, Harper, and Gagney. Let's go to the bottom of the ninth. Rick Aguilera in the bullpen, but Tappany at 101 pitches. will be asked to at least begin the inning. Roland and Encarnacion, two right-handed mashers, due to face him. And here is Roland out of Jasper, Indiana. 296 hitter, 22 homers, 48 doubles as well. And actually here in 06, engaged in a little postseason cold war with his manager. Tony La Russa benching him for Game 2 of the NLCS, telling reporters first about Roland being limited by a sore shoulder. Roland, of course, just wanted to play, whether his shoulder was shredded by a pack of mountain lions or whatever. But the the player-manager freeze-out continued into 07. Eventually, the Cardinals figured out, let's cut bait. Power hitting third baseman for power hitting third baseman. Roland to Toronto for Troy Gloss. And Roland taking here. It's high for ball one. And all that, that fallout, that's too bad because Roland, a Midwest guy with Midwest sensibilities, St. Louis seemed like the perfect place for him. Pitcher's fouled at the plate, it's one and one. Roland, whose parents are both teachers, says his favorite literary character of all time is Howard Rourke, the protagonist in The Fountainhead. Not too many ballplayers can recite from Ayn Rand novels, but... Roland says he's a Howard Rourke guy because he was his own man, capable of making tough decisions. And Scott Roland, when you think about it, was Howard Rourke a few years ago. Walked away from Philly, becoming public enemy number one there because in his heart he knew he belonged somewhere else. Taking here and it's a strike, it's one and two. I would imagine it's delicate to be both a 300 hitter and an egghead at the same time. When Roland was reading a little Ayn Rand on a team flight a couple of years ago, a teammate grabbed the book away and tore out the last 10 pages. Atlas shrugged, Greg Jeffries grabbed. Pitch is low here, it's two and two. Now the Cardinals need to get something going in a hurry here. Roland wearing 27 on his back, unable to wear his customary 17 in St. Louis. That's long been retired for Dizzy Dean. Roland, seven-time All-Star, eight-time Gold Glover. Pitch to him. Swung on, belted in a left field. That's a base hit. That's what they needed. Roland coming right on back to first, so the tying man is at the plate. Tappany will stay on the mound for now. Juan Encarnacion is up. Rick Aguilera getting loose in the pen. With Tapany, it's fastball, slider, change, and a forkball. That forkball's is the pitch that gets some ground balls, and he could sure use one of those right now. First pitch looks like the forkball, but it's low. Good take from Encarnacion. Then with Tapany, you borrow a line from that old shampoo commercial. Sometimes you need a little finesse. That's uh, kind of what Tapany's all about: high on moxie, low on macho. But that can work if you hit your spots. Ted Williams used to scream at the old Yankee pitcher Eddie Lopat to throw him a fastball but the Lopat would just shrug and throw Williams nothing but the, the outside curveballs, everything off speed. Encarnacion ready, led the team in games played this year, surprisingly, 153 of those. The pitch, bounced on the ground towards short, could be two, on a second for one, over to first, they got that double play. Taffany with a 6-4-3 DP, started by Gagne in the hole. Strong arm at second base to get it back across in time. Nicely turned by Knoblock, the young second baseman. So just like that, base is clear. One out left to get. Here is Ronnie Belliard. Already has a home run. And you'd think maybe the switch hitting Aaron Miles a possibility here. Scott Spezio has always been a, a clutch guy here, but uh, he's in this game already. Chris Duncan could come off the bench. He's actually on deck now. He could pinch it for Benji Molina. Although Molina, as we've discussed, already a huge two-run ninth-inning homer in the 06 postseason. That one well east of here in Flushing, Queens. But whoever's going to hit a two-run home run, that means Belliard's got to get on base first. And he takes outside. It's one and out. Kevin Tappany trying to get this done all by his lonesome. Again, Aguilera ready in the bullpen if needed. But this Escanaba, Michigan native trying to get through all by himself and help the Twins move on. Tappany with the sign from Harper and the pitch, line drive, third base caught, ball game over. Boy, right at the line but Mike Pagliarulo right there to stab it and that'll do it. Four runs, six hits, no errors for the winning Minnesota Twins of 91. 2-8-0 for the 06 Cardinals. Tappany all the way scattering eight hits he walked two, he struck out four, did give up a couple solo home runs, but 115 pitches to get this thing done. The 91 Twins advance. This four seed will eventually have a date with the 4 Red Sox at Fenway. Those guys just last week beat the swinging Oakland A's. Next week on the Throwback League, another Sweet 16 battle. How about the 05 White Sox, managed by Ozzie Guillen? They'll take on the 1980 Philadelphia Phillies. A three-seed against a seven from U.S. Cellular Field in Chicago. Steve Carlton and Freddie Garcia, the matchup. But for now, the pitcher of note and the man of the match in Minneapolis, it's Kevin Tappity, a complete game win at the Metrodome. Once again, the final, the 91 Twins 4, the 06 Cardinals 2. This is Josh Lewin. Don't forget to check out the website, thethrowbackleague.com. We'll see you on Twitter as well, at the LG. Thanks
2: once again for listening. Bye-bye.